I love my Fridays at 7.40. Get to talk to this cat right here, Dave Essler, our gambler to the stars. Good morning, Dave. What's up, brother? Good morning, Mr. Sabermetrics himself, Evo. <laughs> All right, Dave, Nelson brought up a really good point. He's like, hey, did you really need these advanced analytics to tell you that the Brewers hitting sucks? Dave, when you're uh, you know, through a gambler's eye, when you're looking at a team, do you need those advanced analytics, or do you abide by the eye test? Um, it's some of both. You know, Robbie and I were just talking about that off air, and, and I, um, with all due respect to sabermetrics guys, it's not a bigger part of the equation as maybe some people might. I mean, yeah. You know, we, you know, it's almost, almost like the, um, why don't we bunt anymore? You know, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I think that these guys just look at the computer and say, this is what we're supposed to do. I mean, it's almost like a two point conversion in football. You know, there's no, no real thinking to it anymore. So yeah. no, I'm not, I'm not big into, into those super deep dive stats. I, I will say it was funny. You talk about Burns as ERA. One thing I do look at with pitchers is their whip walks and hits per innings pitched. I think it's probably a more uh, a better barometer for me than ERA and and Burns is, is like point five six, which means he allows a base runner every other inning. So that's 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 that, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good, Dave. So okay, when let's say you're betting on the Brewers or betting against the Brewers, when you look at a team like the Brewers and you know, take those advanced sabermetrics and throw them out the window, and you just watch a team who can't hit, are you looking at the the Brewers like a mark, Dave? Like I will bet against this team because they can't score anything. Um, good point, and yes, but I think what happens is at some point, the the numbers and the totals become over-adjusted. Yeah. For, exa- for example, you know, well, everybody knows the Brewers can't hit, so the Brewers are going to be underdogs to Atlanta, and, you know, at some point, the Brewers are going to hit, whether they like it or not. Uh, and is, is Drew Smiley the guy that, that sort of writes the ship for the Brewers' offense? I don't know. But at some point, that definitely becomes a... Uh, a non-self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. <laughs> See, it's pretty funny, Dave, because if you're uh, in the Wisconsin area and you're listening to Wisconsin you know, sports talk radio or some of the commentators for the Brewers, they're making it sound like the Brewers are seeing these great ace pitchers every single night. But, I mean, you have your flarities and you have guys like that, true. But if Drew Smiley is another stopper for the Brewers' offense... Oof, we might even have even yeah, more yeah. problems than Dave, we think. you have to pay for my, uh, for my psychologist then, okay? Well, I would agree with you there, but uh, to your to, to your point and their point, the Brewers do only have two wins against a left-handed starter this season. And as fate would have it, Drew Smiley does throw with his left hand. <laughs> Dave, I love your humor, man. I love your humor. Uh, Dave Esser joining us right now. Uh, so, Dave, I, I, you know I always love following you on Twitter, too. Uh, it's an awesome follow at Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. I recommend a lot of people do, or everyone does. So, Dave, I, uh, Nelson over here in the Razor's Edge, his sports gambling segment, he's like, man, the friggin' Pirates, they got me last night. And then I saw you It said, one day I will get the Pirates right. Have the Pirates been a thorn in your side this season so far? Um, yeah, but I think I did the right thing last night and did not take them. You know, it was funny that I, you know, I was kind of looking at maybe San Francisco traveling from coast to coast, and it was kind of like one of those sooner or later things the Pirates are going to score. Um, last night wasn't it, and I did not make that bet. Um, so that was a good no call, but what, that, that actually brings up a good point. is people, people tend to bet on the do theory. Pirates are due to hit. Well, are they due today? Are they due Sunday? Are they due next Wednesday? Um, that's probably a bad idea to bet on the due theory. I mean, it's like the NFL team that's 0-7. Sooner or later, they are going to win a game, so I'm going to bet them until they do. Well, that will definitely be a bankroll buster over the long haul. Hey, Dave, as a you know, as a guy that you know does this thing for a living in a high level, do you uh, sometimes not making a bet, which must be hard if you're you know professionally, but sometimes is it not making a bet the best bet, like the Pirates? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I I call it a good no call. <laughs> good no call. Hey, you got any calls this weekend you're looking at or uh, tonight's slate of games uh, from NBA to Major League Baseball? You got anything that you're like, I like this, I like this action? Yeah, I got a couple, but one I want to share with you guys because it's, it's it's obviously Wisconsin-based is the NFL lines came out for the first week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have dived into those yet, but the Packers are getting three points at the Saints. And if... Jameis Winston is minus three over potentially Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm taking the Packers. I mean, I think I think with that said, 
it's not my MO to tie up money for four months, but if Rogers stays, that number's only going to come down. Uh, if he's not, it will certainly go up. So I guess if you think Rogers stays, you bet the Packers right now. Uh, if you think he leaves, you bet the Saints right now. So that would be one thing I'll be looking so at. Dave, real quick, are you thinking then Rogers stays? I don't know. You know, <laughs> you, you know. No one does. I mean, no one does. It's, Dave. Probably, uh, it's probably like you guys. If you ask me now, I would say one thing. If you ask me at noon, I might say another. Well, it's like this. It's so nauseating with the story, right, Dave? It's nonstop. It's like, well, he said, she said this. Someone's uncle said that. Blah 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 blah. It's like if Aaron Rodgers could just speak, it would be, uh, you know, I'd, I'd sleep easier at night, Dave. I would agree with you. I mean, I, I tend to think that right now he stays, but again, yeah. something will come out in the next couple hours, and you know, he'll be traded to Denver. So who knows? Yeah, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. You said uh, so. The the Packers. And the Saints, uh, what you said, three and a half, correct? That's the Packers are favored by. Uh, no, the Saints are oh, actually favored I'm sorry, by excuse three. Me. Saints are favored by three. I must have been, I, I misheard you. My apologies. Anything else that Dave Essler's got cooking? Yeah, I like I like the Toronto and Philadelphia over tonight in baseball. Uh, don't forget, this is a AAA park, and three quarters of the uh, two thirds of the games that have played there this year have gone over. You know, Max, the Phillies saw plenty of him when he was with the Mets. Phillies are six and three to the over against lefties. I think I think matches in full regression mode. Velasquez can go either way, but he's given up six home runs in four starts, so I like that over. Um, having having a DH can only help the Phillies' offense, which has been a little sluggish. Uh, Reds Rockies, I had a big bet on on that over last night. Thank you very much for the eight run inning. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a classic. You know, Wade Miley's going. Do you fade the no hitter thrown by Miley last time? Yeah, I think I think you do. It's usually an auto bet. Uh, because guys coming off a no-no are overpriced, and usually they throw a ton of pitches. And Miley threw 114, and Marquez for the Rockies isn't the worst option. Um, so I I kind of think the the Reds there. Um, the opening line surprised me. I thought the Reds would be pretty heavily favored, but I think Bookmaker, a pretty sharp offshore book, actually opened just minus 110, which I didn't expect. So I'm also looking at. Uh, you know, the Reds' bullpen is pitiful. Miley, a high pitch count. If he doesn't last seven innings, uh, can we trust the Reds' pen? No, I don't think we can. Dave, so, uh, I love it, Dave. So we're going to keep following along at your Twitter account at Dave underscore Essler. Really good stuff right there. And uh, is it pregame.com? We can find more of your stuff as well, yeah? Yes, sir. All right, cool, Dave. And before I let you go, it's always uh, I'm always curious. It's our weekly, you know, uh, how is Dave golfing? How did the sticks go last Friday, and how you think they're going to go tonight? Um, they went really well last Friday, I have to admit. I didn't miss a whole lot. But then there was Wednesday afternoon this week, and I was in full aggression road, just like Stephen Matz. <laughs> well, Dave, you hit him long and you hit him straight today, all right, man? We always appreciate your time. We love our Fridays with you at 740. And uh, where, are you, where are you calling from again? Are you in Florida? I am right now, yes, sir. Ugh. You're a good man, well, Dave. You're, we're coming down to party with you one of these days, okay? I heard, I heard you guys need a vacation. You're always welcome. Dave? All right, we're coming, baby. We'll see you tomorrow, okay? You got it. <laughs> see you. There he is, Dave Hessler. Uh, good stuff there from Dave. Hey, Rowdy, you went with the Pirates last night. Dave said the best one for him was, I'm going to stay away. And the, you did too. The Brewers freaking let us down. Ugh. And the Pirates let us down. But when you bet on the Pirates, who are going to be one of the worst teams so, in the majors, what do you expect? It is funny because we've struggled mightily so far this week. 0-4. Yeah. But if uh, we can find a win... Today on the Razor's Edge, over the all on the last three weeks we're five hundred. Oh, really? Okay. Because we were four and one two weeks ago, two two and one last week, and zero oh and four right now this week. Crazy. Oof. Tough week. Unbelievable. All right, we've been uh, kind of bitching and moaning here about the offense of the Milwaukee Brewers, and rightfully so. It stinks. But it's taken away from uh, from one thing here. And we got to celebrate a little bit. Corbin Burns, dude. The dude's got rocket sauce. Straight fire on the mound. 58 strikeouts without walking a batter. He has made history. Since they started keeping records in 1893. Corbin Burns, this one's for you, buddy. You're the best. And the Brewers' offense let you down. In fact, I brought it out. I have not apologized. I'm doing one apology a month. Uh, let's see here. There's Charlie's Adventures. We don't want that one. Rowdy, I'm doing one apology a month. And in the month of May, if you can 
confirm that I have yet to write down an apology on yep, the Muppet There's, nothing there, there's yeah. nothing there. So I know the Brewers won't come out and publicly say it, but I will do it for them. I will be the mouthpiece for the Brewers. Let me get my pen. I'm writing down for the month of May. I would like to apologize to Corbin Burns. I'm writing it down right now. I apologize to Corbin Burns for the Brewers' inability to help you win games, especially when you made history. Alrighty, Corbin Burns has a losing record. He's 2-3 and three in the season. His ERA is 1.57. Yeah, he's statistically been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball this year. Obviously, it's a preference thing. Who do you prefer, Corbin Burns or Jacob deGrom, who's now on the IL for statistics this season? There it is. Yet, he's 2-3. and three. There it is. I wrote it down. The two month of May. I apologize to Corbin Burns for the Brewers' offense. There it is. I wrote it down on my list. And, and it's hilarious because we just had uh, Dave Essler on, and he was even talking about Corbin Burns and looking at pitcher's whip. And talking about Corbin Burns' whip, he's averaging giving up a walk or hit one every two innings. Yet he's two and three. What was his uh, walk? Or what was his strikeout to walk ratio, Rowdy? Fifty-eight to one. <laughs> and what's what's like pretty good usually? Oh man, if you're if you're at nine, you're like excellent. So what's fifty-eight to one? <laughs> oh yeah, record breaking. That's what that is. Oh my god. So there you go. Corbin Burns is a phenom, dude. But the Brewers' offense must have been so enamored and so in awe of what Burns was doing that they couldn't bring themselves to, I don't know, get a runner across home base. When I read you this other stat, Rowdy, and here we go again, taking away from what Corbin Burns did. Here we go again. Already doing it. But I guess it's you got to bring it up. It's part of it. The Brewers are literally ruining Brandon Woodruff, the big woo. Got the Rick Flair drip. He goes woo on a pitch. And then you have Brandon, I'm sorry, Corbin Burns, who just set history, made history. The Brewers in their offense, 0 for 10 in the game yesterday and 2 for 31 in the series with runners in scoring position. 2 for 31? Why don't they do the Wilson Contreras approach and just get beamed, Rowdy? Can't they lean over the plate a little more? I'd yeah. just take that. Adam McKelvey had a good tweet uh, this for the after the series, and he's talking about how the Brewers obviously lost 2 out of 3 to St. Louis, but the Brewers had their best three pitchers going in this series. Peralta, Woodruff, Burns. Yeah. He goes, they combined for 19 and two-thirds innings, nine hits, two runs, two earned runs, three walks, 27 strikeouts. That's how good they were. And yet they went one and two. And then he had a, a follow-up tweet saying how Corbin Burns now has an ERA of 1.57. And he's got the most strikeouts per nine at over 15. Wow. Of any pitcher in the majors with at least 20 innings pitched. His record is two and three. The Brewers have managed to lose four of his six starts this season. <laughs> so statistically the best pitcher in baseball this year. Make it stop. The Brewers have only managed to win two of his starts. And, and that's where he's got the two wins. In game started, the Brewers are two and four when mm-hmm. Corbin Burns is on the mound. It's like criminal. It's criminal. <coughs> it's criminal. They, they, like I, I don't know what charges could be brought up, but charges should be brought up. That's some kind of like assault. I don't know what it is, but it's assault. Like it's one thing if you're having these great numbers, right? And you're taking no decisions, and your team ends up finding a way to to win the game. You know, two to one, three to two. Yeah. And you're going seven innings, giving up no runs or one run. But to be that good. And for your team to be two and four in your starts, it's criminal. Maybe, maybe the next uh, Twitter poll should be how much longer until one of either Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, or Brandon Woodruff blow up on their team? Demand a trade. Like, get me the f out of here, dude. Like, that's yeah. one month, two months, three months, one season. That's assault, brother. <laughs> Brando Savage. All right, so Rowdy. <clears throat> wow, this is just bad, dude. So think about this. So Burns set a record. Burns, for the first time in Major League Baseball history, he, I mean, he, he has history. Burns is it. 58 strikeouts without walking a batter. He, he's made history. You know what else was history was made earlier this year, uh, season? It was Josh Hader, the fastest of 400 strikeouts ever in the history of baseball. 
the fastest of 400 Ks. We have starting pitching, making history that's never been done before. And then we have relief pitching, or a closer, making history that's never been done before. And here the Brewers are somehow at 20 and 18, which I think, Sports Pat said it in the 6 o'clock hour, is a minor miracle. I think it. I think it's. A, I think it's just a, a miracle on itself. I don't think it's minor. I think it's a major miracle. How are the Brewers still twenty eighteen? They're they're terrible. They're, their average for hitting is twenty eighth in the league. They're pitching overall ninth, and that's with the bullpen that was getting rocked at the beginning of the season. I don't even know, Roddy. Right, they're making to, okay, history. Okay, to advance the story though, advance if it. they continue to play like this, they're not hitting. They're getting good pitching, and they're about a five hundred club come trade deadline. What are you doing? Are you buying or are you selling? Well, you'd be in contention because, for the NL Central. Because if you if you look at the Milwaukee Brewers, they're kind of at a crossroads if if all of a sudden they're creeping up on late July mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're about a 500 team. Do you buy? Do you sell? Because if you remember... Buy or sell. If you remember looking at uh, how the Brewers were constructed... When they had that big time season in 2017 where they came out of nowhere and everyone's like, what the heck? Yeah. And they only finished one game out of the playoffs. Then they acquire Christian Yelich. They acquire Lorenzo Kane. And you go into 2018 and they, they become world beaters. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're trading for Mike Moustakis. You have Jolice Chassin pitching well. You have Wade Miley pitching well. Brandon Woodruff pitching well. All, like all those guys were we're basically coming on the scene and playing well. You're like, oh my goodness, we thought this was going to be a two or three year rebuild. They flipped it around in like no time. <laughs> yeah, they did. And then when you were looking at how the roster was constructed with contracts and players like Ryan Braun being highly paid and the number of years left on his deal yeah. versus the Yelich's and the Kane signing, you're like, oh, they got they got like a legit four to five year window here mm-hmm. where they could really contend. Well, now we're starting to get towards the end of that four to five year window, even though it seems like just yesterday that uh, Brandon Woodruff was going yard against Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS in 2018. Yeah. But here we sit in 2021 and you look at the roster and you, you have a lot of guys that are under con that are young and under contract for the foreseeable future, whether that be 2023, whether that be through 2024 or beyond. But at the same time, you look at your your farm system, and you got really nothing in it. There's you not got much. Garrett Mitchell, who is your first round pick, who's kind of banged up right now, but he's been playing really well. You have Bryce Terang, who was their hey, first round. What pick. about Corey Ray? He just got called up for the first time this season. Yeah, <laughs> he did we'll okay. skip past him. <laughs> you have Bryce Terang, who was your first round pick two years ago. But outside of those two guys, there aren't a, a lot of highly rated prospects on that farm. No. And then you look at some of the guys that are your top 30 rated prospects. A lot of them have seen times in the big leagues and haven't been very consistent. Or they're guys that are starting to get to that 26, 27, where you're like, man, you're really not a prospect anymore. You're just kind of a guy that's getting older that's just not good enough to hack it at the big league level. So they're really in a, a predicament where they're having a lot of their top 30 prospects are starting to get to that 25, 26, 27 age where it's like you're not really a prospect anymore. Or they're super, super young where they're these 16-year-old kids from the Dominican that they signed with international signing money. Mm-hmm. Or they're you know, 18, 19 years old. So they, they have a, a real wide variety of prospects right now and the majority are old and aging and then when you uh you look at it it's like well do you do you really think you can win now on this timeline because you don't want to spend money okay. your years to spend money were 2020 well they already they already went in on 2018 and 19 acquiring people now your farm's about dry and your time to spend money was 2020 well there was a pandemic 2021 well a lot of people are still using the excuse for a pandemic yeah and it's like now after this year, if you can't do anything, are you going to start to sell guys like uh, Josh Hader? So would you, oh man, if you're the Brewers, would you ink up Woody and Corbin Burns on long-term deals? Well, that's the thing. Or would you, you have, or would you sell them? Freddie Peralta is under contract till what, 2025 on yeah. his deal? That and it's a, it's, a che- it's a team-friendly deal that Freddie Peralta but did. But you have Burns and Woodruff, if I remember correctly, that are under contract through 2024. Do you want to ink those guys up? Because... I mean, look, look what Woodruff. they're doing. Look what they're doing. They're, it's phenomenal. Brandon Woodruff's 28 years old. Yep. Tw- Burns, 26? 
Burns is 26 years old. By the time that their contracts run out in 2024, I mean, add three years on. Woody's going to be 31. Burns will be 29. Yeah. We, we know that by about age 32, the average pitcher starts to hit his wall. Do you want to ink those guys up for long term? Do you want to ship them out early so you can get a ton back? Do we want to really them, and really start a rebuild? Do we want to give them secret, undiscoverable steroids so they can keep their fountain of youth? Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered for the Brewers, especially if they continue to be. Well, aren't they like no man's land right now? It's like you're you're str- we're not even twenty five percent away into the season, but you're straddling this. Like, what are we? But I'm saying if they're like they're playing this exact type of baseball in July and they're right around a few games around five hundred. Yeah, there's going to be some questions being asked in the front office. Is is it time to just tear it down and try and rebuild again? Can you actually win with this roster? Well, you can't win with the sticks right now, uh, obviously. Brewers, uh, I'm looking here, their average simulated season. I'm looking at 538. Now, 538 is not the, the Bible on anything, but I like peeking once in a while. Uh, the Brewers, they say, are going to finish right now with a 86-76 and 76 record. And that's that's where I thought, I know at the beginning of the year we, we said well, how said, many I think wins, I said 89. And I said 87. Yeah. And so, I mean, 86, 87, I, trust me. Even if they weren't like a big time playoff team and they have to play the Dodgers first round or they get in as that one game wild card because they're going back to normal, great. But as long as they get 83 wins, I'll be good enough for this year after putting down that bet. <laughs> as long, hey, it all comes back to that half stack Rowdy put down on it. Was it just straight up 83? It was 82. 82? As long as they get 83 and above, we cool. Because that means cha ching. We've been talking all morning about how the. Corbin Burns is setting records while the you know the hitters are struggling mightily, and now Chugging of butt. course, of course, Dave Essler, who we had on this morning, has got to rub it in here because we were what talking. Dave, what Dave said? We we're talking about how bad the Brewers are with runners in is scoring he still position. Listening to what Dave said? And I, I spelled out the you know the Cardinals Brewers series. Yeah, he says to your point about the Brewers with runners in scoring position that series, only the Rays are worse over the season, mm. and it's barely, mm. but. The Brewers are .002 ahead of the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. So take that with comfort. <laughs> so I don't know how comfortable I'm feeling with second, that, Dave. So uh, they are the second worst team in comfort. Major League Baseball hitting with runners in scoring position throughout the whole season. And the team that is <laughs> just a little bit they are ahead of here. The Pittsburgh Pirates is one of the worst teams in baseball. Now, I know Dave's trying to keep them comfortable, but that doesn't really keep me comfortable <sighs> at night, Dave. I, uh, it's, it's not, I'm not being comfortable with that. Are you no, ready? especially being bottom three and in, in hitting with runners in scoring position. You're bottom five in runs per game. You're bottom five in batting average. But You're here, batting five in on-base percentage. But here you are with pitchers setting records, things that have never been done before. Ever in the history of records so for Major I voted, League Baseball. That's so why I voted the Brewers are more frustrating. And now it's not frustrating, it's which one's more annoying. Frustrating, annoying. Same thing. Same thing. And then we have Reader. Reader. He uh, messages in here and says he's voting Brewers mainly because the Brewers finally have a halfway decent pitching staff and the offense can't help get them wins. Reader. After how many years of begging for pitching, the bats are now asleep. Painful. Reader, it is painful. It's it's it stinks. All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Twitter zone Madison. Which story's been uh, since we're living in Groundhog's Day? Which story has been more annoying in Groundhog's Day? Every day it's Brewers can't hit or Aaron Rodgers watch. Six At least o- in Groundhog's Day, Bill Murray went through and like changed up his day. That's true. It took a while to figure it out, but he did. Yeah. Brewers still, through two weeks now, have not figured it out. Yeah, they haven't figured out the, and how to change up their day. Yeah, and they really haven't, I don't think, went about it any differently. No, I don't think they have either. Still a lot of swinging and missing. All right, speaking of Groundhog Day and the two storylines that we keep repeating and living, we're going to talk to Aaron Rodgers coming up because I read a very interesting Rob Demasi article, the timeline that made the diva that is Rodgers uncomfortable. Maybe Rodgers is uncomfortable with the uh, what Dave was just texting us. Dave's trying to get us comfortable with the runners in scoring position. We're just, we're just not comfortable anywhere. On the Packers front, Rob Demosky had this article yesterday that was very intriguing. He broke down the entire timeline of like wh- where maybe Rodgers was pissed off and what had happened and what happened with Goody and yada, yada, yada. So I want to break it down really quick and see, like, is this dude soft? 
Is this something you should be worried about? Or just, you know, because the main question is, how did we get to this point of Rodgers and the Packers brass being at so at odds? So let's check it out here. April 18th of 2019, the Packers host Missouri quarterback Drew Locke, one of the top prospects in the 2019 draft. The news comes as a surprise, even though Rodgers is the same age, 35, that Favre was when the Packers drafted Rodgers in 2005. Rodgers had never done the waffling that Favre did and expressed his desire to play in the 40s, but it was a sort of a surprise to Rodgers, who was coming off his one of his worst seasons of 2018 with Mike McCarthy, where he got Mike McCarthy fired. And, but they hosted Drew Locke, and that came as a surprise, I guess. All right, that's the first thing that Rob talks about in his article of April 18, 2019. Nothing wrong with that, right? Rodgers stunk in 2018. Yeah, and like you, like they spelled out there, he was 35 years old. He was coming off of a bad year. Yeah. Now, granted, he wasn't waffling. I'll, I'll agree with that. But hosting a player? Really? Before the draft, yeah. Yeah, Drew no, Locke. that's what I'm saying. That's, that's like a pre-draft interview. They do that with a... Crap ton of players. Okay, so that was August 18th, or I'm sorry, April 18th of 2019. Then in August, the Packers probably met with hundreds of guys over that time span for different positions and didn't bring any of them in. Yes. And then, and then Rowdy continues on August 6th, 2019. The Packers finished joint practices with the Houston Texans. It had been 14 years since they hosted another team for training camp practices. Rodgers despises them says, quote, I wouldn't mind if we didn't do that for another 14 years. Shortly after that, first-year head coach Matt LaFleur said, absolutely, 100%, I want to do this again. So (laughs) Rodgers gets contradicted immediately by Matt LaFleur. Then February 21st, 2020, if the lock visit was a little deception from Brian Gutekunst, uh, Goody said this day is pure honesty. The GM said he would be open to drafting a quarterback in the first round. In the same session with reporters, Goody is asked if he would be concerned what impact such a pick would have on Rodgers. This is February 21st of 2020. He says, quote, Rodgers wants to win, and I think that's the most important thing to him. He knows we're trying to make the best decision for football team, our football team going forward, so I don't worry about that, but I'm not with all players. You can't control their emotions. Players get happy and sad about all kinds of things, so I'm not concerned about it. April 23rd, 2020, shortly after the Vikings used the 22nd pick, or, yeah, the 22nd pick, on Justin Jefferson, a receiver the Packers coveted and Rodgers liked. Another receiver then comes off the board at 25. The Niners take Brandon Ayuk. Then is when Gutekunst makes his move. Trades up his fourth round pick, or trades his fourth round pick, excuse me, to the Dolphins to move up from 30 to 26 to take Jordan Love. It is then on May 15, 2020, Rodgers holds a nearly 40 minutes conference call with reporters during which he says he is not thrilled by the pick necessarily, but he understands it. He also realizes his desire to start and finish his career with the same team, quote, may not be a reality at this point. I'm just not sure how this all works together at this point, end quote, says Rodgers. September 3rd, 2020, Aaron Rodgers does an interview at Sirius XM NFL Radio, says he feels good about his top four wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Jake Kumaro. That's September 3rd, 2020. He raves about Adams, Lazard, MVS, and Jake Kumaro. And, and, dude, let's just pause for a second. Pause. Think about how hilarious that is coming from Aaron Rodgers, though. Here's my favorite. Here are my top four receivers going into 2020. Obviously, Devontae Adams was a top five receiver, vaulted himself into a potentially the best receiver in football. Yep. Number two, Alan Lazard. That was a guy that had a nice the lizard man. A nice half a season. Yes. Then Num- MVS. number three, MVS. Mr. Inconsistent all the time. Oopsies, I dropped it. And then and number Jake four, a guy that hadn't been offered a legit spot on any other team outside of practice squad. Whitewater Jesus. That's your top four receivers. So Rogers praises those four on Sirius XM NFL Radio, September third, twenty twenty. A day later, September 4th, 2020, Brian Gutekunst cuts Jake Kumaro. November, or I'm sorry, the, yeah. The, the one thing, it's the Kumaro thing that bugs me because. Well, just wait. Brian Gutekunst isn't the only person to ever cut Jake Kumaro. Pretty much every single team that Jake Kumaro played on He's cut, cut him. Yep. And then after September 4th, after Goody cuts Kumaro, then September 8th, four days later in 2020, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills signed Kumaro to their practice squad. Then November 1st, 2020, just days before the trade deadline, 
Aaron Rodgers has asked whether they need help on offense, and this is when uh, Goody was reportedly made an offer to the Texans for receiver Will Fuller. Rodgers says, quote, We've had many conversations about this type of thing over the years. I truly understand my role. I'm not going to vouch for anybody. Last time I vouched for a player, he ended up going to Buffalo. So, dot, 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 dot. January 20th, 2021. Rodgers continues his say la vie approach for the entire season during the week of the NFC Championship game when he calls his future a beautiful mystery. It comes in a response to a question about whether Rodgers at age 37 is looking at the game as his last chance of getting to a Super Bowl. Okay? We all know the beautiful mystery, right? And then, Rowdy, we go to January 24th, four days later. The moments after the loss of the Buccaneers in the title game, Rodgers questions his future, saying... A lot of guys' futures that are uncertain, myself included. And that's after LaFleur, you know, opted for the field goal. Rodgers thought he was in four-down territory, yada, yada, yada. January 25th, 2021, Packers president Mark Murphy, resident idiot. That was was me saying that. He is on uh, WNFL Radio in Green Bay. And he's asked about Rodgers' comments about the beautiful mystery and not sharing, you know, uncertain about his future. Mark Murphy says, I'll say there's no way in heck that Aaron is not going to be a Packer. He is going to be the MVP of the league. He might have had the best year ever. He's our unquestioned leader, and you know, we're not idiots. The famous words from Mark Murphy, we're not idiots. And then on the Pat McAfee show, January 26, 2021, Rogers says, I don't think there's, I don't think that there is any reason why I wouldn't be back, emphasizing the word think. But look, there's not many absolutes in this business so to make an absolute statement about something that is not an absolute, I didn't do it. And I guess that's why it went kind of nuts, says Rogers on the Pat McAfee show. And then as it continues on, we kind of get to this place where we're at, where Gutekunst in his season wrap-up conference says about Rogers, asks if he needs to give Rogers any assurances about his futures. Goody says, I don't think I have to do a lot of assuring him because I think obviously his play speaks for itself. I'll say this, we're really excited not only for our next year, but years to come. He's playing at such a high level, yada, yada, yada. He just talks about, you know, Rodgers in vague terms. Then on March 2nd, 2021, Goody is, uh, is vague when asked about restructuring Rodgers' contract. The Packers are still well over the salary cap. Remember we were talking about that, Nelly? It was like, well, they could easily just restructure Rodgers and save 14 to $17 million. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And they did literally everyone else's contract but Rodgers. And if you remember, they had a point where that signing bonus was going to come off the or be put onto the books. Yep. What was that? Between five or six million. Correct. And they had to get that figure. They they could have potentially reworked his contract or gave him an extension to nullify that that salary cap hit. Mm-hmm. And they let it pass. They let it pass. And then, yes, to your point, the Packers don't convert Rodgers. This is March 20th. The Packers don't convert Rodgers' $6.8 million roster bonus into a signing bonus, which means they would have given more than $4.5 million, blah, 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 blah. We already just talked about it. And then March 30th, 2021, in the first public hint of serious trouble brewing, Murphy has a chance to defuse things, and we talked about this a lot. Instead, he refuses to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the contract, saying he doesn't talk about players' contracts. But then, literally a couple sentences later, he starts talking about the contracts of David Bakhtiari. Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, but won't talk about Aaron Rodgers. And then, Rowdy, it kind of devolves into this, what we're in right now. So, I mean, there's a lot more other things here and there. Then it goes into the draft and all the information coming out. The last thing we have is, you know, all-pro wide receiver Devontae Adams at Fox Sports Radio saying his future with the Packers would potentially be impacted by how the Rodgers situation is resolved as Adams is entering the final year of his contract. Rowdy, if we go all the way back, if this – if if you know, as this Rob Demosky article talks about, the first thing in this timeline is welcoming in Drew Locke, then the Missouri quarterback, one of the top prospects in the 2019 draft on a pre-draft visit, and it was kind of a shock to some people that they would welcome in a quarterback. If that's the case, Rowdy, and then we all go to the, you know the Jake Kumaro cutting where Rodgers publicly says he's uh, you know pumped to have the four. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, and Jake Kumro. Then a day later, Brian Gudukuns cuts Jake Kumro. And then a couple months later, Roger says, last time I tried to make decisions or give my input, the guy was sent to Buffalo. Is If it's Drew Locke and then Jake Kumro, I guess you, you could go before that and throw in Jordy Nelson as well because Brian Gudukuns did 
you know, cut Jordy Nelson and then Jordy became a Raider. If you if 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 you go just to by the Drew Locke and the Jake Kumaro thing, doesn't Rodgers look like the softest individual in the NFL? Yeah, like the whole thing with Kumaro, I'm not gonna lie, it kind of bugs me. Because the yes. guy was trash. Listen, cult hero, I get it. But you can be a cult hero and not the greatest when it comes to winning football games. I love Jeff Janis. I know for a fact that keeping Jeff Janis would be a boneheaded thing. I really love Sam Congato back in the day. I know that keeping Sam Congato probably not be the best thing for the Packers. Rowdy, keeping Jake Kumaro, listen, love it. UW Whitewater, had long hair, looked like Jesus. Hilarious, Whitewater Jesus. When, okay, when he first... when that he doesn't first, mean he's going to win games. When he first stepped onto the scene that uh, preseason where he ended up, was it hurting his back or shoulder or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. He did look decently good. And when you look at the state of the Green Bay wide receivers, they were awful. So, yeah, he did that year deserve to make the roster. One, because he did outplay some guys. And two, because the roster was that bad at receiver. It's The roster has gotten better the last couple of years when you look at the receiver and the receiving core. Yes. There was no room for him on this team. No. When you're specifically looking at skills and abilities. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about that coming up. And I was told on Twitch.tv that I hate Stevie Wonder because I didn't wish him a happy birthday today. And I won't play any Stevie music. Well, here's Stevie Wonder's superstition. But here's the thing. I just Googled Stevie Wonder, and you guys are all wet on this because Stevie Wonder's birthday was yesterday. So if anyone hates Stevie Wonder, it's you guys for missing his birthday yesterday on Twitch here. May 13th. Happy belated birthday, Stevie Wonder. Very superstitious. 71 years old. Many say he's not actually blind. Conspiracy Theory Friday. Man, he beat Scott to it by a few days. Yeah. Uh, before we hit break, welcome to the show. Who's this? You got Sasquatch Mike. What's up, Sasquatch? Am I live? You are live, baby. All right. Well, I just want to... Uh, I was traveling up. I had to actually go to Minnesota. And uh, so I was there for a couple days, but I was in the hotel lobby. Sasquatch, real quick. I would say Minnesota is more of a Sasquatch country than Illinois. Oh, my God, by far. Yeah, that's why you went there. You had to go with your with your brotherhood, the Sasquatch we our, brothers. We had our annual Sasquatch meeting. There. <laughs> You're in an interdimensional meeting in Minnesota. That's right. <laughs> What's on your mind, Sasquatch? Well, listen, I want to talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers. So they were reporting, I've uh, been on the road, haven't had much time to, you know, uh, you know, see or listen too much. But the one I did, I did hear or I did see in the television, they were talking about Rodgers made a statement to this team. I want out of Green Bay. So what? I know you guys probably been talking about it. What? What's the latest? Well, the latest is. I mean, we were just honestly, Mike. It's funny you bring it up because we were just going through the timeline of it before you called in. But the latest right now is a couple days ago. Ian Rappaport had reported that the Packers uh, offered him a contract to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, but the sides are so at odds they couldn't come to any agreements. And then there was also a report out there from Ian Rappaport that uh, Rodgers was telling other teammates to join him elsewhere. So I don't know if you believe it or not. I don't know. Well, I mean, what do you think they're gonna, what, what do you think they should do? Tr- trade him? <laughs> oh man, uh, Route Nelson over here says the Packers would just make him eat it. You know, you're our you're yeah, but I mean, years. trade him. Why not trade him and get a bunch of picks for him? I mean, you, you get a lot for him. You would. You get a king's I don't ransom. Think you'd ever truly get your. Legit value you get for a, Aaron Rodgers. You'd get a lot though, Rowdy, but you wouldn't get your true value because listen, his trade value, believe it or not, is would you say is low right now, or is there not much leverage? We'll say this, uh, Sasquatch. Right now with Aaron Rodgers, I got diamond hands. <laughs> that means well, he's, he's holding them. I mean, here's the thing, guys. There's not going to be a, a quarterback like him. I mean, there's there's really good. I mean, I I would say Patrick Mahomes is equal to him right now. I mean, he hasn't played as long and shown him his. True colors for as long, maybe, but I would say that he's a an even match for Aaron Rodgers as far as uh, you know, better and different. I mean, they're both great in different ways. Uh, well, I don't know if you heard I mean, Sasquatch. As far as what you could get, I mean, if you build your entire team, look, look, look at some of the teams that have won the Super Bowl. They didn't have Aaron Rodgers type quarterbacks. No, I mean, no. If you have a top five paid quarterback, if you're paying a quarterback top five money, you don't win a Super Bowl. That's correct. That's so, the stat. I mean. Let, let, let's 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 take Seattle Seahawks. Hey, Did they have, they have the That's why yeah. the Packers just signed Blake Bortles on a cheap one-year deal because they're gonna have the boat take him to the promised land. Blake Wait Bortles. a minute, he signed Blake Bortles? Oh, uh, 
Yeah, so Sasquatch to catch you up, yes. They'd sign Blake Bortles. Oh, uh, man, I'm sorry, guys. Video. I'm so primitive because I have EMF sensitivities. I don't have a smartphone, so I literally am in my car listening to radio stations that I could get as I'm driving through, you know, Minnesota. Well, Mike, we know you're primitive. Your name's Sasquatch. We get it, dude. Sorry, guys. I don't mean to, like, Oh, my God. You're, all, you're good, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, Mike, they signed Blake Bortles, and right now it's uh, the two sides are very at odds, and it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. But uh, we'll know more by June 1st, June 2nd. That's that's when the hit is less for the uh, cap money on the Packers if they do trade Rodgers. So real quick, what's your feeling? I'll hang up and listen. I mean, I'll hang up, but I just want to hear what you have to say. What do you think is going to happen? I think they're going to end up trading him. Rowdy, what do you think? He'll be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in September. So there you go, Mike. (laughs) One thing's one, one thing's the other. I think he's gone. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, Mike, have, have, a, have a good weekend, brother. And I'm glad Thanks. you could catch up with your Sasquatch family. It's a beautiful thing. Friday in Wisconsin. The only thing missing right now, Rowdy, would be a fish fry because we got some beer in our hands. And with that, we welcome in Dan from Best Fight Picks. Dan, what's up, brother? Oh, man. You know, it's always a pleasure being on here with you guys, especially on Fight Week. And I'm feeling way better than last time. Let's do this, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Dan, last time, last time you joined us, you were like on your deathbed, and so. then you had to go to a wedding. Oh yeah. How'd the wedding go? First of all, let's step, take a step back. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you're feeling better, obviously. So you're good there. How was the wedding? Did you like soldier on? Did you make it? Uh, we soldiered on. You know, we did. I wasn't gonna miss that for the world because <laughs> you know it's a close friend, and it doesn't matter if I'm on my deathbed. You think he'd ever let me live it down, not showing up at his wedding? So yeah, we showed up for sure. We showed up and we showed out. Oh, dude, my man. So Dan, the, the follow up question is: Was there a happy bridesmaid that you met up with? Uh, you know, you know, or is a gentleman doesn't kiss man. and tell. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that's also true, too. But, uh, yeah, uh, t- times were good, man. I, I love Atlanta. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so, Dan, here in Wisconsin, um, I don't know if you know the like the, the stereotype of Wisconsinites. We love our cheese and we love our beer. Well, Nelson and I are drinking a beer right now. We had some uh, some guys drop off some yesterday, and we uh, still had a six-pack, so we're, we're dabbling in the goods in honor of you. So cheers to you and cheers to that happy bridesmaid. Cheers, Rowdy. Cheers, Dan. <laughs> cheers, gentlemen. Uh, you know, I got jujitsu class in two hours, but after that, I'll definitely crack one, uh, crack a cold one for you boys. Okay, so Dan, um, jujitsu class. How long have you been uh, dabbling in the uh, MMA? So I mean, I'm a, I'm a two stripe blue belt currently, um, but you know, with the whole pandemic thing, I had to take like a year and a half off, which was miserable, man. But now I'm back at it full force and training every day, and it's almost like giving me a new focus, man, because it's like. I'm so grateful to just be able to be in the gym that, like, even when I'm sore and can't move, I still show up. So, yeah, it's been a blessing in disguise almost. I love it, dude. Yeah, I've been uh, over the pandemic and whatnot, I've really been ramping up my workouts and getting after it. There's nothing better than focusing on your health and your diet and, like, committing yourself to it. It's the best medicine out there. All right, uh, Dan from Best Fight Picks joining us right now. So, Dan, we love having you on when it's fight week. UFC 262, baby. Uh, And I was reading your tweet, and I had to chuckle, and I want you to, you know, talk about it and then uh, talk from the gambling side of things. Uh, I'm going to church it up a little bit because the FCC has rules against uh, us swearing. But the you've tweeted out at Best Fight Picks, the thing I've always loved about Darush is he fights with a kill or be killed Terminator style. Dude has big balls and gives zero Fs about playing it safe. The thing I hate about laying nearly minus 200 on Darush is all the things I love about him. Hashtag UFC 262. Give us a little <laughs> insight on that, Dan. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys have seen Benil Dariush fight before. Tell me the last time you saw a boring Benil Dariush fight. You know, it's he's one of these guys. The reason that, you know, he's not as popular as he could be is because he's a very humble and soft-spoken guy. But if you actually watch him fight, I mean, it's always kill or be killed with Benil. And that's what you love about him. It's just that now you got to pay minus 200 or close to it, at least minus 175 on a guy that's kill or be killed. And you know that it's a liability. Um, you know, he can get caught. He can gas out. He's f- he's facing the boogeyman, Tony Ferguson. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it, it's uh, it's tough to lay that price uh, knowing the kind of style Benny has. But as a fan, how can you not love him? Oh, for sure. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you're talking about a guy that uh, is a killer be killed, but he's fighting a killer or at least a pass killer. Do oh, you yeah. think Tony Ferguson over the hill on the backside? Um, yeah, so here's the thing. Definitely as far as title aspirations are concerned, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that anybody's clamoring to see him fight Habib anymore. Um, but 
just because he's not going to be, you know, a top five guy anymore, doesn't mean that he can't be guys in the top 10, doesn't mean he can't be guys in the top 15. So I think Saturday is really going to be that litmus test to let us know, like, hey, is this still a ranked fighter or, you know, like where exactly does he stand? I think that's going to I think this fight's going to let us know. Interesting. So Dan, um, you you you're very comfortable then to play in that minus you know two hundred minus whatever. You you you're comfortable with that? No, that, like that's what I was telling you. Oh, like, not comfortable. Um, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a dog or pass situation. Even if I'm picking Dariush outright, just because of how bad Tony's looked, the issue I have with that price is that you know Benil is very open to getting hit. And with his style, like when I lay minus two hundred, man, I want my guy to go out there play it safe. <laughs> hey, if we if we make the crowd boo, who cares? Let's cash this bet. And with Benil, he ain't gonna make nobody boo. It's gonna he's gonna stand, you know, toe to toe in the center of the octagon until one man falls. And I just can't lay minus two hundred on that kind of yeah. fight. But as a fan, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, um, crazy I like the Terminator style, man. Kill or be killed, because that's what you want to see, right? Like, like it's like the modern day gladiator. You want to see a little blood, right? Yeah, it, it, and it's just ironic. Like, you ever, if you ever talk to Benny, uh, that's what we call him, Benil. Um, he's such a nice, like, humble guy out there, you know, doing charity work and doing all these things. And like, but then you see him fighting; he's like this bad dude. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's great how he can flip the flip the switch. So Dan, I'm looking at the lightweight championship: Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. So Oliveira, 30 and eight, made his UFC debut in 2010, has sent sent the record for submission victories. In the promotion with 14. What are we seeing in this fight, Chandler versus Oliveira? Man, that's another one that's super hard to pick, man, because it's like I truly believe that Chandler and Oliveira fight 10 times. You're going to get 10 different outcomes, man. And each one's probably going to be dominant. You know, these guys are finishers, these guys are true badasses. And Oliveira is one of these guys that we've literally seen him growing up inside the octagon, man. Like you said, 2010, he was just a kid then. Now he's a grown-ass man, and it's one of these things where has he truly gotten over those mental hurdles? Because we've never criticized his jiu-jitsu ability. We've never criticized his striking. There's just been some spots and fights where he kind of dominates guys, but if, he is, if he's not able to get them out of there, he does kind of fold. But these last eight fights... Is it a question of he's been fighting favorable competition or has he or has the mental truly caught up with the physical? Because if the mental is caught up with the physical, then I think he's ready to be a champion Saturday night. Hey, speaking of uh, Michael Chandler, Nelly over here sent me a video from the other day of Tony Ferguson calling out Michael Chandler saying, you got this bleep handed to you. You got Dana White privilege, you know, coming from uh, <laughs> the three time Bellator MMA lightweight champion. Is this uh, something that was handed to him because Dana White liked him or what do we? Why is Tony Ferguson chirping him, too, by the way, when he's not even fighting him? Firstly, what a great line. I mean, like, that's a very creative and witty line. So I got to give Tony Ferguson a lot of credit for that. But however, no, Michael Chandler is not, you know, he hasn't been handed anything, man. This is a guy who, you know, we can say what we want about Bellator, but to actually be a Bellator champion, you have to be an elite fighter. I mean, you look at the Bellator champions right now Gegard Mousasi, Douglas Lima, Patricio Pitbull, like, these guys would all be top five, top ten uh, in the respective weight classes in the UFC. So, you know, to be a, a Bellator champion, and not only that, to beat the guys that um, that Michael Chandler has beaten, he finished Eddie Alvarez, he finished Benson Henderson, he finished Dan Hooker. Like, And that Dan no Hooker fight was brutal for Dan Hooker. That was an electric for Michael Chandler. That was wild uh, to watch. It really was, man, and, like, we've never seen Dan Hooker get stopped with punches before, man. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I know the Edson Barboza fight, he took a lot of kicks, but, like, to see him go down with head strikes, like, that that was a first, man. And Chandler's a guy that's been paying his dues for a long time. He's a three-time Bellator champion. He's a D1 wrestler. He's got knockout power in both hands. Um, he's been the five-round distance more than once. He's never been submitted in his career. I think he's got all the credentials to fight for the title. So, Dan, I was reading here as uh, Michael Chandler versus the Charles Oliveira, maybe the right fight at the right time for a loaded division is this the one to keep your eyes on or like what's your favorite you know fight here coming up on saturday yeah i mean look the main and co-main event 
obviously uh you got to look out for those but if you want me to give you one that's not the main and co-main please, event please. um definitely shane burgos versus edson barboza like i can just guarantee you no one's going to be out there trying to stall the fight the crowd's not going to be booing no one's going to try <laughs> to hump anyone's leg you're going to see two guys go out there two serious strikers and someone's probably going to go out on their shield and if not it's going to be a fight of the night so Edson Barboza versus Shane Burgos. Make sure you all tune in for that one. 100% right when he asked you that question, that was the first fight that came to mind for me because those are going to be two guys that are definitely going to go at it and they're going to throw. Man. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you get two strikers like that, I mean, that that's what the sport's all about. You got friends that aren't quite sure if they like this or not, call them during that fight and see and see what happens. <laughs> hey, Dan, anything else that you're like looking at here that you think you can find value on and make some money on for uh, some of the undercard? Yeah, for sure. So, listen, guys, this is a tough card. But one thing that stood out to me is this kid named Andre Muniz. He's fighting Jacare Souza. And you guys asked me if I thought Tony Ferguson was washed. And I'm kind of like, you know, maybe in terms of being a title contender, but, you know, I still think he's a top 15 guy. Whereas, you want to talk about washed, we, we talk about Jacare Souza. Um, and all due respect to the legend, it's just that, you know, he's 41 years old. There's nothing wrong with father time catching up to you, man. And at one point, Jacare was one of the best submission artists in the entire sport. But now, the evidence I have that he's not the same guy, I mean, we can talk about the Jack Hermanson fight, you know, getting dropped by a guy like Jack, getting almost submitted by Jack. You know, that would have never happened back in his day. But, you know, people are like, but he went to split with Jan Blahovich. I'm like, yeah, okay, firstly, let's put some context behind him going to split with Jan Blahovich. Where where was that fight? In Brazil. Uh, <laughs> we know the how they ju- judge in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> the one judge that gave it for Jacare, you know, I'm curious if uh, he was just trying to get, you know, um, he was trying to show up to his belt promotion uh, the next Monday and make sure that Jacare was going to, you know, up, up, you know, give him a stripe or something like that. And, you know, it, it was a case where Jan Blachowicz didn't even get past first gear and he cruised to an easy victory. But the real fight that let me know Jacare was done. Don't was do Kevin it. Don't, Dan, fight. Dan, please, please stop. I, I may have Uh-oh. had money on uh, Jacare plus money and felt pretty good going into the oh Dan to the Holland fight. And now you're gonna have to open <laughs> so, close wounds. <laughs> so I mean, like when when Kevin Holland's knocking you out from bottom, and then the very next two fights, Kevin Holland loses ten straight rounds and can't get up from bottom, and these guys are controlling him on the ground, and Jacare, the elite jujitsu guy, couldn't like that. That's evidence that he's done you know what i mean yeah so now you got a guy in muniz who actually he's 10 years younger but he's a real jujitsu guy like he's got the jits to hang with a guy like jacare and i'm curious to see if he becomes the first man in mma history to submit the great jacare and i know if that happens it's going to be one of those passing of the torch moments that we don't forget anytime soon so yeah i'm very interested in Muniz here. Wow. Dan, we have a, a comment here on Twitch from our guy Brando Savage. He said, submission artist just sounds badass. What would what would Dan from Best Fight Picks want to be, a submission artist or a knockout king? <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things, man, where you want to do whatever the other guy's weak at, right? And it's funny to say because it, it would actually be badass to knock out the knockout artist and submit the, <laughs> the submission artist. Right. But at the end of the day, I think the smartest strategy is what GSB did, which is to take their opponents into their weakness and, and outside their comfort zone and dominate them there. But then you got guys like John Jones who look forward to beating you at your own game. So I think it's everyone's got a different approach. That's awesome. And Dan, before I let you go, I was uh, peeping your Twitter account per usual because it's a great follow uh, at Best Fight Picks. Dan, t- tell us a little more about DFS Army. They said, well, excited to welcome Dan to our MMA staff, known as the GOATS, one of the GOATS <laughs> of MMA betting and analysis. What's up with the, what's the moves you're making now, brother? Oh, yeah. You know, um, I think fantasy sports has really taken off now, and I, I thought it only made sense to dabble into that. You know, I've been doing my fair share of draft games the last few years. I felt like I kind of had to pay my dues um, in that before I was ready to give advice and speak on the topic, and now I felt like I've done that. So I joined up with the guys at DFS Army. I uh, used my promo code BFB for 10% off all the fantasy sports advice you'll ever need for every sport, not just MMA. So DFS Army, but also the thing I really wanted to plug is I'm getting into management, and my uh, first ever client, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, he made his pro debut, and he won via 48-second first-round knockout. What? And so he, he is the knockout king. 
you guys got to look out. Just remember the name Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead at the Rockstar MMA everywhere. Dan, look at you, brother. You, you, you're off the deathbed making the dreams come true of a bridesmaid. You're at the DFS Army. You're getting yourself into management, and you guys knocking people out. You are on the rise, Dan. 2021 is your year, brother. I really appreciate that, guys. It means a lot coming from you. <laughs> hey, Dan, we appreciate your time, man. Always, always love having your advice on here because, look at hell, it's paying off for you in tenfold, brother. So have a good weekend, man. Happy betting, happy gambling, and uh, have a good time on Saturday. And, uh, you know, maybe you want to call that bridesmaid back and uh, come or tell her to come over and watch the fights with you. What do you think? I'll have her make a radio appearance uh, with my <laughs> boys, Nelson. And Eagle. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good, man. Have a good weekend, Dan. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, take care. There he is, Dan at Best Fight Picks. Follow him on Twitter. Good stuff right there uh, from Dan. Rowdy, that's, I love me some Dan. He's just such a cool guy. That was badass. Our sports director, Zach Halperin. Zach, what's up, brother? Not much. Happy Friday. Yeah, TGIF, man. Happy Freaky Friday. Zach, Where? tell the fine folks where you're headed right now. Up to Green Bay to check out with uh, Packers' first rookie minicamp practice. Wow. We get to see all the, all the new guys. Does that now, now? Does that include Blake Bortles by chance? I know he's not a rookie, but does that include Blake Bortles or literally just the rookies? I believe it's just the rookies. Man. Pretty sure it's just the rookies. I was going to ask. Uh, I know we'd be breaking some sports director and reporting code if you get me Blake Bortles, you know, autograph because he is the boat, the true BBB, yeah. not the big baller brand, the Blake Bortles brand. Woo wee! So Zach, let me ask you. You don't think I'm Aaron Rodgers? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I was going to say, you don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be walking around like it was falsely reported last weekend, right? <laughs> yes, multiple sightings of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers around Green Bay. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Aaron Rodgers is nowhere near, I would think, nowhere near Green Bay at this time of year normally and certainly not right now. Yeah, it seems like they're so at odds he wouldn't even want to be associated with uh, Green Bay. Uh, but uh, let me ask you, Zach, so I asked the question to Rowdy yesterday and some of the listeners, but you know, it keeps creeping up. Is the signing of Blake Bortles, is that something we should be concerned about with Aaron Rodgers? Is it uh, just the Packers bringing in a veteran arm for the upcoming camp? Like, What is the signing of Blake Bortles? It's a veteran arm for OTAs and minicamp and, and potentially training camp. I mean, and they they only had two guys on the roster, right? So they needed another one. They even talked about after the draft, you know, they were they said after the draft they were going to add one. They didn't they didn't uh, do it in the draft, so they added one in a veteran, Blake Bortles. They got two guys coming in as tryout guys. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them gets signed. Uh, it's Chad Kelly and Kurt Benkert that are going to be the quarterbacks for this uh, rookie minicamp. And I, you know, we'll see what they look like. But I could, env- I envision probably one of them being signed to be another camp arm with uh, Rodgers not you know, taking part in OTAs and minicamp. So I, I really – I mean, come on. Come on. Blake Bortles, like seriously? Yeah, the boat. That's, that's going to be the guy that you're going to turn to if Aaron Rodgers can't play or Jordan Love is not very good? Like, no. I think it's just a matter of having another arm, a guy who knows um, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, played for him in Jacksonville, knows the system. You know, I, I think that's mostly what it is. It has very if it has nothing to do outside of you know taking some reps off of Jordan Love's arm. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Zach, to be fair though, Blake Bortles does have less losses in uh, championship games than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and they True. both have two wins in the playoffs since 2017. Just and saying. he's actually won more games in London. Correct. These are all these are all accurate stats. I mean, I, there's nothing to refute any of that. So I mean, <laughs> we, we if we could get the competition, if Rodgers would, you know, not. Uh, if Rodgers actually show up and give somebody a chance to, to beat him out, I think he's probably – I think I think this probably pushes him further away from coming in, just worried about, you know, losing that competition. But, yeah, also, you know, we'll see. Also, Zach, I've never once heard Aaron Rodgers described as the boat, the best of all time either. I've only heard that about Blake Bortles, just saying. Yeah, accurate, accurate. And he's, you know, and I mean, Aaron Rodgers really can't compete with his haircut either. So uh, these are all very, well, very good things. Uh, well, not to diss on my guy Blake Bortles, but he's he has less hair than Aaron Rodgers. He's you know? a hack guy now. What? He's do you, a hack do you guy. Think I, do you think I didn't know that? Do you think <laughs> I'm saying that, I, that I'm unaware that Blake Bortles is follically challenged? No. That means he still has a better haircut than the hippie stuff that Aaron Rodgers has. Oh, I like uh, Rodgers' haircut. Right what do you mean? I'm liking Rodgers' haircut. Of course you do, man bun. Of course you do. <laughs> Zach, I cut my hair. What are you talking about? Yeah, what happened? Because you look like a tool. 
Uh, no, I love the band tool. So there you go. Zach. All right. Zach Halper, <laughs> sports director, joining us right now. Um, we had a Twitter poll out, like, what's more nauseating or what's more um, – I kind of screwed up the grammar on it. Uh, autocorrect screwed me. But it's, you know, we're, living in gro- we're living on Groundhog's Day. What's this, the more uh, annoying story? Is it Aaron Rodgers' watch or is it the Brewers can't uh, you know get any runners across home plate? But, Zach, specifically on the Rodgers' watch – uh, as this thing progresses, and it's like someone's uncle's brother's best friend's aunt's cousin is now like you know making news that blah 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 about Rodgers. Um, what 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 is the reality of all this, Zach? Is are we thinking that Rodgers is going to be back? Is he going to be traded? Like, what are you keeping your ear in the streets, hearing and thinking? No, I mean, I there are certain people that you, you listen to, and there are certain people that you don't listen to. And Mike Holmgren is somebody you don't listen to. Mike Sherman is somebody you don't listen to. Uh, some of the people that aren't actually I think that's what involved. Brett Favre said, too. <laughs> someone, you know, Brett Favre is someone you don't listen to. Like, it's just, you know, he's got it. At least, just, I'm talking about in this particular situation. What about John watching. Kuhn and James Jones? John Kuhn is somebody that, you know, because he's on both sides of it. He's employed by the Packers, but he's also friends with Rodgers. He wants what's best for both sides, I think. And obviously he wants Rodgers to be in Green Bay. I think he actually has talked to him. And I think if he, you know... If, and he's talked to him multiple times. And if Rodgers didn't like what he was saying the first time, he certainly I could talk to him the second time. I think that uh, I, he, if, if, of all these people, I would put John Kuhn close. Not, not saying, yeah, I put him as, as someone that I would listen to and, and take what he's saying as truth. But there are so many other people out there that are talking. And, and Devontae Adams is another one, right? Like guys that have actually talked to Rodgers and then they're going and talking later on about it. Those are the guys that I would listen to. All right, Zach. So, uh, well, okay, John, not to go down a John Kuhn rabbit hole, though, but he would be a company man. He'd be a mouthpiece for the Packers. But to your point, yes, he'd also be a friend to Rodgers. So I guess if Rodgers didn't like, to your point, what Kuhn was saying, he wouldn't keep feeding him info. Well, why can't Rodgers just come out and say anything? Would that lose some kind of leverage, some kind of hand? I don't get it. It gives him deniability, doesn't it? Like if he shows back up and – you know, next month for the mandatory mini camp, and he, and people are asking him what's going on. And he can just be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, uh, I you know, like, media. I don't use social media. It was the media that I was talking about again. The Packers have acknowledged that there is an issue. Yes, they uh, have multiple the, times. The the the, uh, the team, or I should say, obviously his friends have acknowledged there is an issue. He's not taking part in the off-season program, something he has always done. Like, there is obviously an issue, but I think it just gives him some deniability and not having to talk about it. And I think it could uh, endanger, potentially, something that would happen because we've heard, we know we know that Rodgers is obviously, um, I don't want to the word sensitive, maybe. I don't, I don't know if soft. that's a great word to use of them. But, sensitive, you know, the Packers, the, pa- the Packers also have some, Diva. you know, personalities within their department that they have to, that, that they probably would not take kindly to something that was said if Rodgers says something that they don't like. Like, it was, like, the Packers went during the draft and talked about how great he was, how much they want him. They, like, they, they did, they made it sound great, right? Like, they, they made it sound like they need him, they want him, and everything like that. It's possible that he could say something, but again, there's just no reason to when you have all your other guys, all your guys coming out and speaking for you. Oh, sorry, Zach. I was taking a slug of beer. All right, uh, Zach Halpern. By the way, yeah. we had we had uh, Goose Island, the three one two lemonade shandy in yesterday, and we found some more beer in the fridge, so I snagged some for Rowdy and I. Nice. Uh, we're drinking one in your honor. All right, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. He's go- heading up for the rookie mini camp. All right, Zach. So Aaron Rodgers, watch. I, I get it. There is an issue here, obviously, and hopefully they can come to some kind of agreement i guess or sit resolution solution resolution i don't care what it is i just want to know what happens but i would prefer if rogers was the packers quarterback obviously but zach what are we specifically watching what are you watching when it comes to rookie minicamp today are you uh eyeing in on like cole van lannan yeah i mean cole van lannan john deetson the two badgers cole signed his contract yesterday john deetson signed as an undrafted free agent so that's those would be obviously two guys but i think it's kind of a I don't know. The quarterbacks, it's kind of weird. Chad Kelly has quite the story, uh, his backstory. You know, Clemson going to East Mississippi. I think he was I, – I can't remember totally if he was part of the, one of the first uh, uh, last chance use. I think he was. But, you know, and then going and, and playing a little miss. Like, he's, get, he's got a story, and he's got talent. He just got off the field issues. 
Mm-hmm. And, and uh, one, of the biggest, the, one of his biggest bullet points, Jim Kelly's nephew, uh, yeah, nephew. And that's a bullet point for you. Great. <laughs> um, you know, that. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks, Nelson. Dynamite dropping. It, it, Dynamite like, dropping. It's like the Jake Ferguson is Barry uh, Alvarez's grandson. What? It, it's like the thing that everyone has to say. Hang on. Is that true? So Brad I just Davidson, made sure that Brad you put Davidson it in. a high school quarterback? Yeah, 100%. Huh? Yeah. This is breaking um, news. This is news to me. Appreciate you, Nelson. Uh, just wanted to get it yeah. out there. He, he had yeah. the opportunity so, to get it out there. So, I'm at, yeah, a good, t- good, good taking uh, of the opportunity. Good, good job taking advantage of it. Uh, Paul, first, <laughs> be proud of you. Uh, and we you appreciate know. that. Right, exactly. I will say, I mean, that, the quarterback's obviously something you want to watch. But, yeah, I mean, what does Eric Stokes look like, the, the, the first-round pick? And, and the, uh, the, but, again, I come back to the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks and the, and the Badgers are probably just the things to be watching. And uh, more, I think, today is just going to be talking to Matt LaFleur and getting more on Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, oh, my God, Zach. Can you ask a bunch of questions? Comments. Can you promise me you'll yeah. ask some questions, like yeah, just sure. grilling him about Rodgers? Yeah, of course. You swear, promise. You swear on me? Yes, is, is this a is Blake Bortles coming in to compete with Aaron Rodgers for the starting job? Is that Ooh, what, this is what about? number will Blake Bortles wear? That's been the big topic. I heard his preferred number was you twelve. Will... <laughs> <laughs> Should give it to him. Um, will Should you give ask... it to him and just guarantee? Will you ask this question, um, Matt Zach Halprin, the W O Z N Sports Director? Is it true that you're giving Amari Rodgers the number twelve to save on jersey sales because Rodgers will no longer be here? Can you ask that for me? Sure, of course. A Rogers. At least they'll have one on the on the team. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a legit question. All right, Zach. Before well, I, I know you do. I know you do. What do you mean? What does that mean? I said I know you do. It's obviously a legit question. There's no such thing as a dumb question, Zach. Only dumb answers. Right. Of course. Or maybe it's stupid. I don't know. I had a beer. Yeah. I've had a couple beers. <laughs> or can you I ask can him? Can you ask him the question, Zach? After the first practice, you can't tell. After after looking at all these uh, quarterbacks tell. that were just signed, who do you think has the greatest upside to replacing Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll make sure to get that one first. I'm, I'll, I'll uh, put my hand up and hope you get in. Oh, oh! Can you ask one more for me? Yep. Matt, Zach Halpern, WOZN Sports Director. Do you think Mark Murphy is an idiot? Yay or nay? <laughs> Those are all great questions. And then now, cite or, his or, own or line, saying we're not idiots. Yeah, yeah. Or should or should I ask him about Have you ever sledded down the hill with Mark Murphy? Have oh. you have you tan, have you tandem sled down the hill? Um, Matt. Well, we know he hasn't tandem sled down the hill with Aaron Rodgers. Have you ever seen the character Howdy Doody or read Mad Magazine to see Alfred E. Newman? Do you think Mark Murphy looks like him? Yay or nay? These are all fantastic questions, and I think all deserve answers from Matt Lafleur. All right, Zach. Well, you have uh, we you got a nice little list of questions. We've done your work for you. Uh, you are welcome. No need to thank us, and we appreciate your time. And can't wait to follow along on Twitter at Zach Halprin. Your amazing articles at MattCitySportsOne.com, and we thank you for doing the morning updates because they are phenomenal. Ooh, a lot of a lot of praise there. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> See you, Zach. We love you. See you, buddy. And pipe bombed. All right, there we go. Man, we've been getting pipe bombed a lot lately. Yeah, who pipe bombed me yesterday? Pete? I've been pipe bombed by Dave from Monona, Pete Monona. I think Monona just doesn't like me. Uh, Zach Halpern just pipe bombed us. Who else pipe bombed us this week? Oh, it was an interview. Rob Reichel. Yeah, Rob Reichel pipe bombed me too. Man, what a tough week. Didn't see that one. Speaking coming. of interviews. <laughs>